0: nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Elastic, and I will be your host for today's Nonprofit MBA Podcast. I am co-founder of Financing Solutions, and over the last 12 years, we have been the leading provider of lines of credits to small nonprofits in the United States. If you're interested in learning more about a line of credit for your nonprofit, please visit nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Today, uh, we have a sponsor for our podcast and it's Arrays A-R-A-I-Z-E. Arrays. Fast Fun Online is a cloud-based accounting software specifically geared for small nonprofits and medium nonprofits in size. Uh, I'm a big believer in buying and getting, uh, uh, software specifically made for an industry, uh, You know, it's so much better to have this than it is to have QuickBooks, which is not really geared toward nonprofits. And so if you are interested in learning about more about Arrays, please visit their website at RAIZE.com or call and ask for Joe at 847-261-9605. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Beth Podrovsky from Iris Creative. And today, uh, what we're gonna be talking about is the keys to hiring and retaining marketing staff for your nonprofit. Beth is the president of Iris Creative Group. Uh, She works with nonprofit leaders to focus their audience and move them to action. For 26 years, Beth and her team have developed nonprofit branding, marketing, and fundraising communication. She runs nonprofit toolkit, training resources to grow in-house marketing skills, and hosts the 200 episode driving participation podcast and speaks on nonprofit and marketing nationally. Beth, welcome to today's nonprofit MBA podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and I'm thrilled to be back. This is my second time with you. It's, yes, it's uh, terrific. I really appreciate I, it.
0: And I asked second I asked people to come back the second time if I thought they did really well and <laughs> Beth was excellent. So well, thank I you. I feel
1: honored then.
0: You're good. <laughs> So, hey, let me ask you, has, um, is, you know, you you speak uh, to nonprofits sometimes uh, nationally, uh, you know, has the, uh, have you seen the market come back for conferences?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so funny because we, I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. Uh, we are absolutely seeing the market start to come back. It is every year it gets a little bit more. They're, they're still doing hybrid, though. I'm still seeing a lot of a lot of hybrid conferences, but almost every conference that I feel like I know of is starting to reintegrate in, an in-person experience to it. The, the thing that's going to be interesting about that is now that we there's going hybrid. I mean, going virtual is one thing going in person is one thing, but having that streaming experience that that live virtual experience on top of. And in-person experience, it adds so much complexity and cost to the process. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see if that continues, if hybrid is, conferences are just going to be the nature of things. But mostly I feel like what I'm seeing is that there is a, definitely a group of people that just wants to be back in person again.
0: Yeah, I did a conference about a year ago online. And I tell you, it, it wasn't very good because mm-hmm. it's too easy to get distracted Right. You know, yeah. it wasn't good. Um, but versus the, the cost of going to a conference. Mm-hmm. Um I, I just think listen, if it comes down to learning and if you're going to a conference because you're gonna learn, you gotta go. You can't do it right. online. Right. I think that's the purpose. If you're you know, if uh if you're I I haven't found it to be very helpful, you know. So that was just one. Maybe I just need to get into practice of it, but
1: um, uh, what do you think? I I agree with you. I mean, when you're at home by yourself or in your office, there's so many distractions and it's so hard to really feel like you're away and can put your email on pause and really pay attention to what's going on. So if it's, you know, if it's a free conference, then you have to realize that the main reason they're doing a free conference is to get your email and connect and that it's a sales opportunity for the organization that's, that's running it. Of course, there's going to be good education as part of it, but um, you know, free conferences are things that people kind of know that you sign up for. Maybe you'll show, maybe you'll just kind of leave it on in the background while you're doing something. Um, And if it's a paid conference that you're paying to go to and you go virtually and then don't pay attention to anything, that's the thing I think people need to start thinking about is yeah. what, what's the point. You know, yeah. if you're saying, well, we're gonna spend two hundred and fifty dollars to go to this thing just online versus the what can up I, I mean, I've seen conferences that if you add in the conference cost, a flight and a hotel, you could be spending two thousand sure. dollars to even more, three thousand I've seen, to go yeah. to a conference. But what do you what's the I want people to start thinking about what's that return on the investment? And and you have to be sure that if you're going to spend those thousands of dollars, that you're making a choice where you will get a return on the investment. Like, why are you going to this conference? Is it to meet people? Is it to learn something? Is it to just get out of the office? You know, like, think about what kind of investment you expect to come back from this.
0: Good stuff. So let's let's jump right into our topic of hiring and retaining mm-hmm. uh, marketing people. Of course, we're talking about fundraising, correct? Fundraising people. Uh, Right,
1: fundraising and, and for me, marketing people as well. Like I, um, we work in the marketing side as well.
0: So, so, uh, well, till so what's the difference between marketing and fundraising?
1: That, that's, that's such a great question. Um, so there's a lot of marketing in fundraising, but there's not always fundraising in marketing. And what I mean by that is a fundraiser's job is In the real, in in, in the outside of the nonprofit world, it would be called a sales job. So it's kind of like, what's the difference between sales and marketing? So a fundraiser's job is to close the deal, is to get people to take action. So in marketing, there's really three stages of marketing, getting people to know you, getting people to care about you, and then getting people to take the action that you want. Of course, fundraisers have to do a lot of the getting people to care about you, Um, but their main job is to create conversions to get people to give money on an annual appeal, to get people to give major gifts, to to get people to put them into their their plans, to take an action. Whereas marketing's job, my my favorite definition of marketing that I've ever heard, and I heard it from a consultant at a conference, and I've never forgotten it. I wish I could remember who it was so I could attribute it properly. But they said, marketing creates the environment so that a sale can happen. And that's a huge distinction that marketing in and of itself may or may not, depending on how your structure, be responsible for making sure that the deal closes. There are some aspects of it that are there, but marketing is about building your brand, building awareness, and then moving people from awareness into action. And, and it could be any kind of action, whereas fundraiser's world includes communications to make those things happen, but they're specifically focused on raising money for the organization. Whereas the marketing side of the house is focused maybe on other things. Maybe, maybe you're an organization that has members and you've got to get members and get them to renew. Maybe you're a school that has students and you've got to do admissions. You know, that's not fundraising. So it's it's a broader picture of helping the people that are your primary audience become aware of your organization and become interested in your organization. Um, I,
0: I, I really get it now. It's a great explanation. I had never thought about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, my job at my company, uh, financing solutions is, uh, I'm in charge uh, my 95% of my time is spent in marketing. So Mm -hmm. I am, I look at marketing and I don't use, I don't love the word marketing. I use the word lead generation. Mm -hmm. Okay. My job is to get people to uh, come to us. And, and and then, um, so I, when the analysis that I, and I think the number one biggest problem that companies have, and now I can see it with nonprofits is they don't have a marketing campaign. They they mm-hmm. might have a they maybe they have a fundraising uh person or maybe mm-hmm. the executive director does it, but you you don't if they're the fundraising's job or a person's job is to close the deal,
1: mm-hmm. whereas
0: the marketing uh marketing's yeah, role deal. is to get people coming to you so mm-hmm. that the fundraiser can close the deal, right? Right? Exactly.
1: It- yeah. If, if it's a, if it's if you're an organization whose primary funding channel is correct, uh, primary correct. financing channel is through fundraising. But yes. lots of organizations have multiple have different ways that they that they generate yep. revenue other than yep. just fundraising. And yep. so that's another distinction. So a lot of times, which brings us into the conversation around staffing, what we see so much is there's a term that we use all the time, then we we lovingly call the people slash marketers. You know, because a lot of, at a lot of nonprofits, there's not always either the budget or the awareness that these are two separate roles. And so you get a development director uh, or, or somebody in the channel of fundraising and development, and you say, hey, you know, could you just update this thing on the website post this thing on social media design this thing in canva and the next thing you know that development director's title is development slash communications director and they get this other thing sort of I like to call it. You inherit this this role, um, and sometimes it's because there's just no budget to hire somebody else to do the other work. Sometimes it's because there's not an awareness of that they are distinct that there are distinctions between these roles, um, and lots of other reasons too. But it's something that we see a lot. And if you are come into this world through the the channel of building relationships and generating money through Mailing campaigns and or individual conversations, the greater, the not greater meaning better, but the broader implications of the responsibilities of overall marketing can sometimes get lost.
0: Hmm. How do you uh, start a marketing campaign?
1: Oh, well, <laughs> it, it, it depends. I wish I could say it, it depends. But I can tell you for us. Um, there's three things that we always like to know when we're going into something specifically, who's the audience, what are the goals and what are the constraints? And it's so funny that when I talk about that, the concept of constraints, people are like, Oh, we don't want to talk about constraints, but the constraints are all kinds of things. What's the deadline? Like, when does this have to go out and why, you know? Uh, You know, what's the, you know, what's the budget for this? And why, you know, so often people will do a thing, because somebody said we need to do a thing, we need a brochure for x, we need a social media campaign for y. And there's just this thing that's happening because somebody said we should do a thing. So it's important to understand, like, what is your goal? why is that your goal? Why is this necessary to being done right now? You know, and why Why is this thing need to be done? What do you want to achieve out of it? And uh, and is this the right way? Because so often, so often we'll be asked to do something, you know, build a website for something and a website's not the right tool to solve that problem or go after this audience because we want we want this to happen. You know, we have a client right now that's having us research a certain sector of the market And my first question was, is that sector of the market, the people that make the decision on the action that you want them to take? And they'd already done all this research to say, thinking that there was so much opportunity with this, this certain persona. And ultimately, when I started talking to the people who really had the boots on the ground in the organization, it was a completely different person that actually was not just the decision maker, but the person that... That was the refer, was the, it was a referral campaign, you know. And I asked them, well, who, who do you get your referrals from? Is it this person at the organization or that person? Totally different person. So that's why like you've got to understand who, not just who the audience you want is, but who is the audience you need? Who is the audience that's actually going to do the thing that you want? Are you trying to get people to be aware of you? Are you trying to get people to care about you? Are you trying to get people to take action? What stage of marketing who needs to be the person that you're focusing on? And who's got the, you know, you don't want to be doing sales marketing, conversion, direct fundraising, and talking to the person that doesn't have the checkbook, shall we say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of our listeners are small nonprofits, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea behind marketing, I mean, they're just trying to get their handle on the fundraising aspect, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then I think once they start Doing the fundraising and having a system and process in place, then they kind of say, "Okay, let me back in now. Let me put it into the marketing." When they start becoming mm-hmm. more aware of that concept, and um, and so is that is that fair to say what I just said is true?
1: It's um, it's very fair to say, especially when when you're a startup organization, that's very very typical. And I have to say, I wouldn't disagree with that. It's really hard to do big picture thinking marketing when you have no money yes so starting off by getting your 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 base needs met making sure that you have enough budget through the people that you know like if you're small you you you, you're either starting off and building your first group of fundraisers or you have your first group of fundraisers that you need to then make second year and third year you've got to work on your retention and then you have to work on growing out from there and so making sure that you have those bases that you've kind of gone as far as you can with all the people you know and all the people they know to build up a core fundraising base so that you have some breathing room so that you can start thinking more strategically around marketing when you're when you're scrambling to just make sure you can meet your bills it's you can't really think about you know brand and strategy and you know logo design i am a firm believer like go in simple you know fill up the bucket, the most important bucket that you need to fill to 100% so that bucket can be giving back, can be returning on, on your investment in that bucket. If you try and fill six different buckets, 60%, you're not going to get anything back and you're going to feel like you're working really, really, hard and nothing is happening. So make sure that you have some form of fundraising coming in with just simple basic language that you have right now. You you want to start where you are and grow it and evolve it later. You can always evolve your marketing. Don't get caught up in perfection.
0: Yeah, I want to shed some uh experience on this that uh, you know um I one one of my first companies um I had um a really uh it was really really hard to hire really good salespeople for this one company. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up hiring some, you know, the, you know, my success rate of hiring good salespeople, it's hard for everybody. And this relates to the fun hiring a fundraiser, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's so hard. It's very, very, very difficult. And, um, you are you're, you're you're, as a young company, you're limited sometimes uh, as, or nonprofit on how much you can pay somebody. So that means you're getting some people who don't have experience in what they do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what I learned in this process when I did hire someone really good is they were prima donnas and they, they, they held me. Uh, I was captive to them and that's mm, not, a position, wow. yeah, that's not right, a position. Yeah. That's not a position that somebody wants to be in, right? And so, you know, I I I rethought this whole process and I'm going to get to my point now. Um that if I had generated a great marketing lead generation system, I was not captive to anybody uh as far as uh as the quality, as the the having to have a rainmaker so to speak go out and get me, mm-hmm. you know, business. And number two is um, I was in complete control, and my uh, salespeople were happier because yeah. here they are; the deals are coming to them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that that was twenty years ago, and you know now that's uh, that's I'm a firm believer in having a great lead generation system. I would say it's probably the same thing for nonprofits with fundraising, isn't it? When you're
1: I. When, well, statistically, a major gifts officer um, transitions jobs every 18 months. And I think that there's a bunch of different reasons for that. And I think you're right. There's, I am sure that there's some prima donnas out there that want to just or, or just want to move on to the next greatest thing. One of the challenges of, of sales or fundraising, any sort of thing, is that you come into a job with a goal. You know, here's your goal. And then the first year you meet, uh, in an ideal world, you beat that goal. Uh, or you do something really good. And then as the years go on, those big moves, those big leaps, those big increases often diminish because you've worked your first year people, you've done all that stuff. And so the personality of somebody that likes the kill means that they're going to want to move on and go to the next place where they can get the big, big wins and create big transformations. And so a lot of times I think that that comes down to like, what is it what is your same what is your goal in hiring what is your goal is your goal to bring in somebody that for a year and a half is going to give you a big giant boost and then move on and if that's the case then do you have a system to sustain it because you know are are you gonna lose the donors are they going to pull them to their next job people always worry about that I don't know how true it is my feeling is is if you are truly cultivating your donors you're cultivating people that are are giving to you because they care about you. They're not giving to Jennifer because she asked them. If you're relying on a, a sales system, a, a giving system that you're bringing in a big person that has great connections, then chances are when they leave, and they will, that they're going to take those connections onto the next place. And then those don't you get a couple of years of maybe money out of those people, and then maybe they'll move on. But those those are people that um that are like top level donors, they're not like your true givers. Like you wanna you need to make sure that you have a system, as you were talking about, a system in place that once someone is brought in, how do you cultivate them to make them the organization's donors rather than Jennifer's donors? That's a key, key thing that you have to think yes. about. And and so that's and and to me, when we talk I mean, I've I've been hiring people for 30 years. Now I don't hire fundraisers, I tend I hire marketers. But I mean, I've learned a lot and I see a lot. And I, I'm seeing right now, we're in a moment right now. And I think it's it's like the other half of the pandemic is making it even worse is um, that all, almost all of our clients have had transition with the marketing and or fundraising people that they've left and moved on. They've A lot of them have left and started their own companies, like going out and been consultants. Some of them have left and left the field because of... of lots of different things, burnout, life-changing, all kinds of different things, not wanting to work remote, wanting to work remote. There's so many additional factors right now that are impacting people's willingness to do a job. And and I think that, that's, that this moment of all this transition is a moment that we all need to be kind of looking at, what do we need to do to make sure that we as organizations and companies can can thrive and have enough people to do the jobs you you can't just necessarily expect people to you know burn the candle at both ends and stay in a low-paying job where they feel like they can never get ahead of of what they're trying to do
0: well i guess at the end of the day so what you got to do is build systems right and if you mm-hmm. build a system then it becomes less reliant on any one person so your Correct. marketing the marketing system you know if You can answer those three goals that, that you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you put the systems in place, so you say, right. you know, um, we're going to do this direct mail, you know, believe me, direct mail still works. Uh, direct 100%, mail, it still works. Yeah, still works. Direct mail campaign, it's going to go to this location, and it's p- this person, uh, this group is going to answer the phone. This is the purpose of what they're trying to Mm -hmm. do. And and this is how you follow through. Then it becomes less important who's really doing it. Correct?
1: Absolutely. And it's, it's so like, I always say it's important to build an organization that can outlive any one person that's there. I used to say, you need to build something so that if you get hit by a bus, everything's going to still moving. But then I realized that was probably a little negative. And so now I say, maybe you'll win the lottery. Like if you won the lottery and moved on, How can we make sure that this organization will be fine and can continue the work that you've done? A lot of the way that we sort of pitch it to even our staff and other people we work with is it's not like because, you know, people when they're working in a job don't want to think about when they're leaving and they don't necessarily want a, a bunch of their time and their work to be like, I'm building a system for my successor. So especially because we do a lot of branding work, if you put a lot of time and energy and effort into brand and then that person that built that brand leaves and the next person comes in and unravels it, which happens all the time because people, just like fundraising in branding, people wanna put their stamp on an organization. They want it to be their website that they built. They want it to be the logo that they helped the organization create, the colors, the design. They just, they want it to reflect them and their contribution to the organization. And a lot of times that's not helpful. That's great for that person, but for the organization to be zipping around with different looks and just change just because somebody didn't like orange, which I literally have had that happen. And um, it's not good. So if you're the person that's tasked with building up something, building up a fundraising system, building up a brand, building up a, a marketing funnel, like what, like what Steve's talking about, um, that if if you leave a system in place the chances are that the work that effort that you put in becomes is sustained beyond you I think that that's a pretty meaningful thing to accomplish and it, it sort of it makes your work even more meaningful even when you're gone and and if you can build something so that the brand that you created the fundraising that you creative doesn't fall apart in your absence like I don't think that like we shouldn't be those I mean and in general maybe I don't know maybe people at nonprofits aren't but I don't think that even even if you're a good person and you don't want to leave a mess, it's hard to think on top of all of the busy work that you're doing to step back and think, how can I systematize this? But it can 100% help even while you're still working at the organization. It reduces the amount of time you have to do the same task more than once. It it allows you to have other people do things besides you. One of the things that we see all the time is, you know we're all control freak. Like I'm a control freak. I totally know I'm a control freak, but I'm okay with being a control freak because I know once somebody that it works for me proves that they can do it as well as I can, I'm like the opposite. I'm like the biggest abdicator. And they're like, um, could you just look at this for a minute? like, no, you got it. You got it because I don't want to be a micromanager. And I think that there's a difference between a control freak and a micromanager. A control freak is this needs to be right because if it's not right, something Something bad that I don't want to have happen might happen, but a micromanager is I now need to watch every single step of the way and manage it and change it and tell you how to do it so that it's done exactly this way because I don't trust you. And I believe that this concept of trust is huge, that, that people, leave, people as if people don't leave because of money, they leave because of people. And it's that feeling of not feeling like you're trusted to do your job and to do it well. That, that is a big factor in people not being happy in their work and choosing to leave regardless of money.
0: Yeah, I think it all stems from the top. And the, and the, and the, the executive director has to lead by example and reinforcing the idea to everybody that we need to build and follow processes and procedures. Mm-hmm. I know it's a, you know, and if, I tell you the word that I, no one loves the word processes and procedures. They hate it. Right, um, everybody wants freedom and stuff like that. So I use the word best practices, and mm-hmm. and people like that. But let yeah. me give you, yeah, let me. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Is if you're a small nonprofit under under a million dollars, right, in revenue a year, um, and you want to be a big bigger uh, nonprofit, the only way you're going to be able to do that is by building, let's use the word, best practices. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so the executive director, who either if, if he or she's very involved in building the marketing plan, they need to build it to last. And or if they're delegating it to somebody else, they need to say to somebody, listen, we're going to build a marketing campaign. These are the objectives. But I need to build it so that if you're no longer in that role, if you get promoted, if you change uh, uh, companies, uh, that the next person stepping in can easily uh, 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 use what you've built and built on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very compelling message to somebody. It's clear. It's pre- it's precise. It gives them purpose. Uh, I don't see how anybody could be angry with the idea of the, having that conversation that that you know they need to build it for the next person too
1: and i I love your idea of if you get promoted because I think it can sometimes be a hard sell to somebody who's very busy that they also have to spend time to build something for the next person. But if the concept is we want you to document things, build things, and plan things out of things that we know that can work so that things work so well so that you can be promoted, so that there that, that there is something more for you to go to and that there will eventually be somebody else that's doing some of the things that you're doing now that you're going to grow out of. Like this is your your job is to grow out of this role. And the only way that can happen is if marketing and fundraising are successful. And if you don't build it in a systematic way, even if we added headcount, You'll still be doing all the same things that you're doing now, and that's and that's that's I think I mean that definitely I, somebody saying I'm going to I'm going you you've got an opportunity for advancement here and an opportunity to be relieved of maybe some of the parts of the job that that you want to release that you don't want to be doing forever uh, and it's it's hard it takes a little it takes some time to train people but once once you don't have to do everything yourself it's amazing what you can be freed up to accomplish.
0: We have a couple of minutes left. What else would you suggest when it comes to this topic?
1: So specifically on the topic of hiring, the biggest thing that we see in small nonprofits is the slash, 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 slash marketer. You know, the person who you hire one person or you don't hire anybody, you're just working with who you got and you're trying to make them do it all. So they're doing development. They're doing they're doing major gifts. They're doing annual appeals. They're doing they're writing all of the new, the newsletters. They're managing the website. So now all of a sudden they're starting to cross over into marketing things. And then you expect them to create videos and edit videos and do press releases and up and and create pl- plans and strategies and execute them all and 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 and. And there's a point of diminishing returns to that. And I get that there's a budget and that there's only so much that you, that you need to kind of get people to maximize everything. But this extremely wide, wide, wide job of something like, we see it a lot in a job called a marketing coordinator. And we also see it, this is the other thing that we see. We see people giving people inflated titles, like a 23-year-old will get a title of strategic communications director, yeah. right? Like they're, they're 23, Yeah. they're 23. So that's like, great that you get this fancy title, but in no way is this person a director level person, much less are they strategic. In general, strategy is something that goes like, like you've got to think horizontally. And then video editing is something that goes vert- vertically. It, the the time, the brain shift that has to happen between something where you're looking across an organization and where you kind of carve out time to to do copywriting, to do video editing, to find a photo on social on, on stock photography. You've got to do deep dives and have uninterruptible time to do that. And having one person, that has a lot of you know horizontal responsibilities that means interruption interruption i've got to have my eyes everywhere and then also expecting them to do vertical tasks that require time but that you can't give them that time that's what's create i believe that that's part of what's creating a lot of this churn and also making sure so that's one thing Think about your job description. Think about your job description. and does it does it really have to be that why? do you need somebody to do everything? And if so, if that's where your budget is, you need to in your interviewing, hire for the person that likes to be doing a bazillion different little things all the time that wants that change, wants that variety. if you if you hire a copywriter and then, oh, guess what? We need you to do graphic design too what? I mean, maybe they'll like it, but maybe they're like, but I want, I wanted to be a copywriter. You hire a graphic designer and you start asking them to do fundraising for you. Like those are different jobs in many people's minds. And so you want to make sure that you've thought about if it has to all be one job, hire towards that, as opposed to hoping that you can get somebody that has this skill set over here and make them enjoy this other skill. It might work, but you also could be losing people and losing people and having to constantly rehire because your expectations are too wide.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I have two comments on that. Um, the first one is um, you, I think you'll find if you're doing all those things that the quality is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's number one. Number two is don't give people big titles because with big titles you they want more they want more money down the road and more importantly
1: where are you gonna go from a big title like that at twenty three
0: you're not you you're gonna go somewhere else so right. someone else someone else is gonna see that on their resume and then and then the third thing is you're you're setting some up you're you're pumping them up based on the title not based on mm-hmm. what they've done right you know and you don't get to that title unless you've done it and right. you know so I would say just from experience don't do it say marketing assistant. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and then they have something to, like you said, to go from in that case.
1: Right. You know? Exactly. And then if it's a title, like then you can keep the, keep the salary appropriate with a level of a title like that and give them some place to go and, yeah. and, and to move up and to move up.
0: And I would also um, say this is like, you'll get the title when you reach this amount of revenue. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's very specific. You know, right now you're a marketing assistant, you're supposed to build these processes and procedures, these best practices for marketing. These are the goals. This is what I want to say. And when your system generates enough leads, I'm using my words, not nonprofit yeah. words, right? Um, that you can that you're generating, you know, eight hundred thousand dollars in the next 18 months. Uh, that we've closed in major gifts or whatever because of your leads, then you get this title. You know, I, I don't know yeah. what do you, uh, you. And that's I, definitely
1: I, an approach. We don't tend to usually do it that way, but we're not usually that deep into into those things on that side.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: the other thing that I would say I've, that a mistake that I've seen a lot of nonprofits make is they hire for interest in their cause as opposed to for skill set. Yeah. And so often we see this a lot in marketing. You've got somebody that like thinks marketing is cool or, you know, thinks it might be nice to be a fundraiser because they've been a volunteer. Like, and that happens a- sometimes it's amazing to bring a volunteer in and make them an employee. But as somebody that like, I've done that, I've been a volunteer and then gotten a job in things. And it's like people thank you when you're a volunteer. <laughs> Nobody thanks you when you're an employee, like it's your job now to get this done. And so the criteria is different. It's not the same. And so I've seen people like wonderful volunteers have their love of the organization ruined by coming onto staff. And I've also seen organizations bring on a volunteer who loves the organization and the people are like, we want people that know us and get us and feel us. And then they just don't have the skill to to do what you need them to do. Um, you know, or even that they don't know the organization. I've seen an organization once, they were an environmental organization. And what they they wanted a marketing coordinator, somebody that to, to basically be this, we need execution of all these things. And they met this person who was a very high-level person who had like this environmental science background and a high-level marketing background. And they were like, wow, she's perfect. She's a marketer and she knows she knows our science. So let's bring her in. But she she was a she was she she wanted to come into a job that was a strategy job and so this happens a lot people want people to be strategists and executors by the time people are qualified to do strategy they don't want to be putting the commas in anymore they don't want to be refreshing the pictures on the website they don't want to be updating the powerpoint presentation they've evolved they're looking for a senior level job so so when you bring in senior level people and talk to them about things like, well, we need you to do planning and strategy and thinking. Oh, and also we need you to do all these things too. They don't, even if you tell them, they don't hear it. They think that they're going to be coming into a strategic job. And then when you're giving, when you give them, you know, can you make this a PDF for us, please? They're not happy. So yeah. as much as you get ex- they get excited about, like, look at this person with this amazing passion or this amazing understanding of our world, really look at like where they are in their career and what type of work they see that they want to be doing. I've seen so many people bring in this strategist level person. And then that person thinks they're going to have a staff or things that they're going to have help or other people doing the things that they no longer do or don't want to do anymore. Um, you really have to like look at that before you get excited about somebody that has um, like an interest alignment.
0: Well, that's all good stuff. I mean, we learned a lot today. Uh, it's all the time we have for today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to thank so very much Beth from Iris Creative for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And if you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app and help us get the word out as long as it's five stars. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can uh, reach our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Beth, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that?
1: Oh, thank you so much. So you can reach me by email at beth at iriscreative.com. Uh, you can look at our site there. We do a lot of branding, strategy, uh, and campaign type of work. We also have a website called nonprofittoolkit.net where we teach uh, all kinds of live and there's recorded marketing classes on, you know, if you are a slash marketer at your organization and you want to feel more like a pro, that's what we're doing over there. Teaching classes, we're actually we're building out workbooks right now and we're going to be creating some uh some tools in canva for people who don't have the ability to bring on somebody to do this and help you kind of streamline your jobs a little bit better
0: cool all right um and what's that website uh name again
1: it's nonprofittoolkit.net. toolkit.net
0: great great well everyone i want to just uh thank everyone out there for doing their best um to make the world a better place it's much appreciated you guys are on the heavy uh line and you're you're doing it every single day and we really really appreciate it uh hopefully you got some great stuff out of today's podcast i know i did i i learned a lot and i want to thank beth for really telling us a lot about how to deal with marketing have a great day everybody Yep.